morning, and, and I don't know what your day was like, what your week was like, but I'm sure it was just as hectic, and you had some stuff going on that maybe I didn't have, but I'm here to tell you that you're in the right place this morning. You're in the right place, and we are building towards something. It's, it, won't, it won't always be so chaotic. And the reason why, listen, the reason why we exist is, is right there on the screen, we, because we love people. We look at our city, we look at our surrounding, and we, our, this region, and there's a half a million people that's waiting for what's inside of you. There's a half a million people. There's 300,000 plus here in Stockton, in the greater two, uh, another 200,000 in the greater Stockton area. And we say that a lot because I want you to get this. This place is going to fill up. We're building something for people to come in. I want you to be able to bring your friends and family right? And, and, and your coworkers and people that you run into during the week. I want you to be able to invite them to a place where they encounter God. I want you to be able to invite them to a place that they can bring their kids to, that they can feel safe, that they got a kids check program that's up to date and it works and they, they can turn their kids over for an hour to our children's department and know that they're safe and they're going to have fun and, uh, and, and learn something and, and play with other kids and have community. And I also want the parents and your friends and family to be able to come in here. And I want them more than anything. I want you guys to say anything. Say anything. I want more than anything for them to encounter God and encounter his presence. That is why we do what we do. I have an amazing uh, staff. We're, we're, we meet every week. We pray every week. We got the connection cards this morning. Um, fill those out. We don't take those lightly. You fill those out with a prayer request. We pray for those things. We pray for those things every week. We put them together, and as a staff and as a prayer team, we get together and we pray over your prayer, your prayer request that you put there. We don't take those things lightly. We're building towards something even with the connect cards. We'll be, we, we're constantly tweaking and changing things. Why do we do this? So that we can build a great church? No, so that we can have a place for people to encounter God. We want you to not just... Guess what? If you're here, it's not just about you. Like, a lot of times we come to church to, to get something, to receive something, right? But what if you got to a place where you came to church not just to receive something, but you, you were excited to bring someone with you so that they could receive something, right? So that your whole heart was that you wanted them to encounter what you've encountered. Right? And that's what it's all about. So you're going to hear some things this morning. We're going to get into this Easter Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, won't get into the semantics of it all. But there's a part in this story that we've been building up to. We talked about um, last week, Palm Sunday, and what that meant. How many learned something about Palm Sunday last week? Okay, all right, a few of you. Okay, good. And so we talked about what that was. And i got to grab my water. Kelsey, stop drinking my water. Amen. Today is Resurrection Sunday, and why is it so important? Obviously, you know, they, they give you all the statistics. Man, I've had, past, I've had more pastors reach out to me this week than, than ever. Uh, and the reason why is because notoriously, notoriously, Easter Sunday is the Sunday where everybody comes to church. If they're going to go to church at all during the year, it's Christmas and Easter, right? It's those two Sundays, Christmas and Easter. And so I've had... You know, church services in there, and they're all like uh, these pastors. They're 
they're, they're setting up their, their programs and they're, they're doing all these things. That, and, and, you know, that one church, they're, they're giving away a Disneyland trip. Like, whoo, that, I'm going, I, Georgia preaching, I'm going to go win a trip to Disneyland, somebody else's church. Uh, what an amazing thing. They're, uh, they're, they're just reaching out and loving on their community. And they, and they know that people are going to come in on Easter Sunday that might not be here. But let me just tell you, and I hope you hear my heart in this. I hope you come on Easter Sunday. I hope you bring somebody on Easter Sunday. But really, my heart is next Sunday and the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that and 10 Sundays from now. My heart is, is, is I want this to be a place that you get plugged in, you get plugged into community, relationships, and you start to grow. And when you grow, you serve. And when you serve, other people come, right? Other people come. And, and, and so this is not just meant to be a feel-good service. Like we could come and experience the presence of God, but if, if this is the only time that you experience the presence of God, then we failed you. You failed yourself. You failed yourself. So, hallelujah, let me get to my message. We're going to start preaching about something else here in a second. We have just completed the greatest week in human history. You know, as I shared last week, we, we set up Palm Sunday and what that meant. And Jesus came in to Jerusalem and he said, now is the time, right? After three and a half years of ministry, now is the time for, my, to, to me, for me to be revealed. Now is the time that I'm going to lay down my life. And, 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 and he, this whole story that he told the disciples that was going to happen. And, and so we see this triumphal entry and, and it's called Palm Sunday and, and the people were praising him and and the, uh, the religious folk at the time were like, what, who are you? This is, this is hypocrisy, and, and uh, you're, you're calling yourself the son of God. And, and so all of these things happened uh, and as he entered Jerusalem, and we set the scene up for you. And, and uh, he, the first thing that Jesus did was he went to the temple, and he overturned the tables, right? This is the second time in his ministry that he had done that, and he... He basically went in there and he said, you've made, you've made the, my, this house of prayer, you've made it a den of thieves, right? And because and, there was just a lot of shady stuff going on. They were, they were doing commerce in the temple and uh, they were bilking people for, uh, of their money by, uh, by um, selling goods and services uh, in the temple courtyards. And, and so he went in and he, he said, you've got it all wrong. And he overturned the tables and and you guys know that scene, and we talked about that, what that meant. And immediately after that, it said he began to heal people. People began to come to the temple, and they were receiving healing, especially blind eyes open, right? And so we talked about the significance of that. Now, how many went home and just took one gospel from that point last week to this week and read? And that, remember I said that? How many, how many took that to heart and read? So, okay, there's one or two of you took some scripture, if you just studied the scripture of what happened during this last week in Jesus' life, you could spend the rest of your life studying that. There was more teaching and more download to the disciples and to us in, his, in scriptures than at any point in his ministry, at least recorded, right? So from the time, for this last week, Jesus was not just, he was, he was already in his heart, he knew what was coming for him. He knew, he knew what was, was about to happen, and he didn't dwell on that. He was, he, all of his messages to his disciples was what was going to happen after, was what was going to happen after. And so um, we took a look at that and what that meant for us. And, and so 
continuing in that vein. This is the greatest week in human history. What, what just transpired over the last week from Palm, Sun, uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, uh, and to uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so uh, this morning, after Jesus be, was betrayed, captured, beaten, crucified on a cross, he breathed his last. His body was taken down, wrapped in linen cloth, grave clothes, and his body was taken to an empty tomb. And it was left to decompose. Then the sun came up. His body came to life again. The Holy Spirit raised him. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 11 says that. That the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Actually, that, that, that scripture says that the same Holy Spirit that's in you is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Right? So we know that the Holy Spirit, and there's other scriptures that say that God raised him from the dead. But how did he do it? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon that lifeless body of Jesus laying in that tomb, and he raised him from the dead. See, when he hung on the cross right before he breathed his last, Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke these words. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it won't be on the screen. I didn't give him the scripture. There'll be some other scriptures here in a minute as we get into this. Jesus says something. He speaks these last words, and he says, it is finished. It is finished. If you look at that word, it's, it's uh, teleo or teleos. It literally means everything to this point has led to this, has led to this, has led to this, and it's complete. There's completion. I've done what I came here to do. It's finished. Complete. It's teleos. That's what the, the scripture says that, that we are complete or tel, uh, teleo, te, teleos, in Jesus, in God. We are complete in him. How many of you have ever heard that preached? Like, in him, you have everything you need. In him, you are complete. In him, you are finished. Amen. So Jesus, that's the word he used. He said, it, it, one of his last words that he said is, it is finished, and he breathed his last. He took his last breath. It's been fulfilled. Sin and death no longer have a hold over us. In Luke chapter 23, verses 44 and 45, you can turn there. It probably won't be on the screen. I, I had a lot of scripture references this morning. I, only, I didn't want to overwhelm, so I just gave him a few. And I, I'm going to paraphrase because for the sake of time, we don't have enough time to go to each one of these. I'm just going to tell you what happens in Luke 23, 44, and 45. You can write it down and look it up if you want. It says that, that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, that the sky grew dark. Okay, this was morning time. Mid-morning. It says that the sky grew dark and, and like the sun was hidden. And so it got dark. That's a crazy day. Like not, not just a cloud coming. Like it got dark. Probably like a, an eclipse or something. It, where The sky grew dark. There's a few things that happen. In Matthew chapter 27 verse 51, it says that the, 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 an earthquake came. Like the ground shook. It says that rocks were split. There was something catastrophic cataclysmic that was happening something cataclysmic that was happening and the earth felt it 
The earth knew, was feeling the shift that was happening in the spirit realm as Jesus was being crucified and dying on the cross. See, Jesus dying on the cross. See, I, I want, here's the theme of this message this morning on resurrection. Like, it's great. This is the greatest news that we have, that Jesus was raised from the dead. The greatest news that, that Jesus was raised from the dead. But, see, the story is incomplete if you stop there. See, and, and, and I... Salvation, let, let's put it this way, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, right, is that he came and he died for us, but he didn't stay dead, that he resurrected, right? That's the good news. But listen... There's another chapter. There's more to the story than that. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross, and he knew he was going to the cross, but he was looking beyond the cross. We talked about that a little bit last week. Like, you can't leave out the rest of the story. Because, see, that whole thing was Jesus was this act of giving himself up and taking care of sin was to redeem us back to the Father, to open a door for us to be able to have a relationship with God again, for there to be nothing between us and God. We couldn't do it on our own. Jesus had to come, and he had to be that, that sacrifice, that door. So, so understand what's happening when we talk about the sky getting dark and rocks splitting, earthquake coming. There was something shifting, and it was a massive shift. It was a massive shift that we feel even today. You would not be here. Let me just say, you wouldn't be here, and some of you might disagree with me, but you wouldn't be here if the gospel message of Jesus was false, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Because no matter what religion says, no matter what man says, no matter what programs you have, no matter what tradition you set up, I don't care if it goes back hundreds of years and thousands of years, you cannot deny the power of Jesus. You can deny it. You can, I guess you can deny it. But you can't take it away that, it, that it's happened. See, that's what, that's what and, and if you go back to the scriptures and you look at, at what was happening and, 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 and why Jesus was crucified, because it went, it went against the narrative. It went against the narrative, but even, even as they tried to quell this, this rebellion in their minds, this, this guy who, who they couldn't deny was healing people. How do you, hey, he's opening blind eyes. He's giving them scripture. He knew the scripture more than them. And he's saying, this is the, this is the prophecy being fulfilled. This is scripture being fulfilled before your eyes, and you still don't believe. What do I have to do? He had just raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead four days. And they denied all that. They said, okay, but besides all that, we're still going to kill you. Because you don't fit our narrative. You don't fit our narrative. Here's the thing. Men are still trying to kill Jesus today. They're still trying to talk you. You're still trying to talk yourself out of if your faith is real. Don't, don't look at me like that. I do it. God, you don't seem real. How many of you ever had that conversation in their heart? I don't feel you. I don't feel like you're showing up right now. I feel far from you. 
If I do it, I know you do it. Maybe I'm the only one. So your human heart is still trying to talk. But here's the thing. When you cut all of that away, when you look at who Jesus is, what he is, and what he stands for, you understand this, that he gave his life for you, that he sacrificed himself for you to open up a door, and it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Because, see, he sent somebody after him. He sent something after him. And see, today's about Resurrection Sunday, but understand that when he was raised from the dead, there was a power that raised him from the dead. There was something, a greater force, and we know it as the Holy Spirit. If you could just get a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit in your life, it would change you. It would change you. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. What, that, what Jesus was doing, what he was setting up. See, I can debate. I can debate my faith. Right? And we can talk about this scripture and what it means and go to the Old Testament and, 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 and Old Covenant, New Covenant and theology and, and get all wrapped up in this. Here's the thing when it boils down to this is do I have the power? Is there something substantial in is it? Is it greater than just a belief? There's a power that's in me that no matter what you say, if you don't believe, that you can't take away from me. God has healed me. He has set me free. The, 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 the bondages of, of sin and death. And it's not just a ticket to heaven. I get to spend eternity with, with God and with you. But it's greater than just a, a ticket to heaven. It's greater than that. And this morning, I want you to understand there's more to this story. And I'm going to follow my notes. Otherwise, I'll get off all into different rabbit trails. So when Jesus did that, the barrier between heaven and earth was ripped wide open. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Just write it down. You can look at it. As I, again, I'm going to tell you what happens. It says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. We're talking about the temple of God. It's where the chief priests and the high priests would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to, to make atonement for the, the sins of his people, of God's people. And there's a lot that, that happens. We don't got time to get into it, but here's the thing. Jesus came and was an eternal sacrifice for us, right? So he, he actually, he basically done a, he did away with that. See, when, when, when that happened, the disciples didn't expect that. Even though he had said, this temple will be torn down and you will destroy it and I will rebuild it in three days. He was talking about himself. They thought they was talking about the physical temple. But Jesus interacted in the physical temple, right? There's a lot going on there that, how, what the context of that scripture and what was happening, how does it relate to us? What's going on? So it says that when Jesus died on the cross, it, when the earthquake happened, the sky grew dark. And the ground shook and rocks were split. That something happened. This was the, the veil that inside the temple 
that went all around what's called the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, that's where the Spirit of God dwelt. And, 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 and if you go further back into Scripture, the, we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, and like literally it says the presence of God dwelt in there. And the only person that was allowed to go in, and they would tie a rope around him just in case he was struck dead and they'd pull his body out, right? He would go in there once, once a year, right? In Jesus' time, when he went into the temple, the Ark of the Covenant was not there. Don't really know where it was at that point, but a lot had happened in history. And, and, and so, but it was where this Holy of Holies, and around the Holy of Holies is this veil from ceiling to floor. Thick tapestry woven together. Wasn't cheap. Didn't go to Walmart to get this, right? They bought it off Wayfair. No, I'm just kidding, Wayfair. I'm kidding. <laughs> you interior designers will love that one. No, it was this thick veil. <laughs> Work with me. And all of this happening, and so these are physical signs that something cataclysmic is happening, and in the temple, it ripped from top to bottom. Now, I'm sure that there were explanations given. Well, it ripped because of the earthquake. So we're going to sew it back together. Let me tell you what was happening. The sky, the heavens were being ripped open. It was a sign that Jesus, his death, and about to be his burial and his resurrection, was ripping open the spirit realm, was removing all separation between us and God. And, it, and that was the sign that he gave, that the veil was ripped open. Now, see, I want you to understand this other part of the story. And we're, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But with this veil being torn from top to bottom, as believers of Jesus, this should be one of the greatest, most significant events that you get to know passionately and intimately. Understand what the ripping of the veil means for you. What it means for me. No longer would you have to rely on sacrifice and atonement through the temple and the high priest. We have access to the Holy of Holies, God's presence here on earth. On that Sunday morning when Jesus was raised from the dead, it came by the Holy Spirit. Jesus dying opened the door for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And the first act of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon this earth was the raising of Jesus from the dead. Was the raising of Jesus from the dead. See, when Jesus raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit raises his body back to life. Hope came back to life. Healing came back to life. Restoration came back to life. Understanding and wisdom came to life. Provision came to life. Joy came to life. Power came to life. Anything that you need from God, he resurrected that day. Salvation came to life. Faith came to life. The Holy Spirit brought life to this earth. The Holy Spirit was given access to bring life to us. Whatever you have need of came to life on that day. When Jesus came back to life, it prepared the way for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share some scriptures with you. They'll be on the screen. 
John 14, 16 and 17. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 15, 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And then we see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 33, therefore, having been, been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. What is he talking about? What, what is this pouring? He's talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out. And I mentioned it last week. See, what's the first thing that Jesus did when he appeared to his disciples? That Sunday night. They go out to that Sunday morning, they, they go out to the, to the grave, stones rolled away, Jesus can't be found anywhere, empty tomb, he shows himself, there's angels, Mary and the others, they go back and they say, Jesus is not there, and he saw us, or we saw him, and he's alive, and some of them didn't believe, eh, just wishful thinking. So Jesus shows up that night, walks into the room, says, peace. Don't be afraid, I'm here. What's the first thing he does? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. See, what happens is this. As you look back over Scripture, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone the prophets of old the holy spirit would come upon them like literally externally drop on them right this anointing would come on them jesus flipped it and he said receive my holy spirit and he breathed on them what he was saying is the holy spirit comes inside of you right you take it in it's no longer an anointing externally you breathe it internally you bring it in, you bring it you breathe it internally the anointing the holy spirit he's coming and so this ripping of the veil the temple is no longer needed now i know that shakes a lot of things and it shakes a lot of tradition and scripture but here's the thing he's saying you are the temple i am making you the temple now our carnal minds can't wrap around that concept, a holy God would make us his temple. I dare you to prove the scripture wrong. Because that's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. He said, receive my Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised me from the dead. The same spirit that comes in power upon this earth receive it see that's the other part of the story it wasn't that jesus just was buried and cruci crucified buried and resurrected he's now saying receive my spirit receive power become understand that you are you have become a temple 
Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says mortal bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, so honor God with your bodies. Right there, Paul's saying that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy of Holies is inside of you. Right? The Holy of Holies is inside of you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 John 4.13 By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. The veil of the temple was torn by the dying of Jesus, signifying direct access to God by man. But it also signaled that now the Holy Spirit would dwell in man. That we would become the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So I have a question for you as we close. If the, if the temple, the physical temple, was done away with, and that we are now the dwelling place of the temple, why did Jesus, why did Jesus go to the temple and do what he did when he entered Jerusalem last Sunday? So one week ago, if we're in the last week of Jesus' life, And we understand what just happened at the cross. And we understand that the veil is torn. And he's making us the temple. Why would he bother in his first act coming into Jerusalem? Why would he go to the temple and clear it out? He's basically saying, I'm doing away with this part of it, right? No longer will you have to come to the temple to seek out the presence of God. I'm putting the presence of God in you, right? So why did he go to the temple and do what he did? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. See, he did that because when we become temples of his spirit, there are times where we need to go in and clean house. And he was saying this, that I'm putting my spirit in you. But as believers, there's some things that need to be cleaned up. There's some, some traditions and thoughts, processes that need to be overturned. It could be fear, unbelief, lack of faith, whatever it is. See, people get tripped up on the word idolatry and what, I, what it means to have idols. Did you know every one of us has, has had idols in our lives? We don't like to think that because I'm not an idol worshiper. Well, then you're saying that you're not a sinner, that you weren't a sinner, right? That you didn't have a sin problem. We all, see, let me just explain it to you. Anything that puts itself between you and God is idle. 
So it could be anything. Anything that you elevate greater than God's power in your life is an idol. That's why you, you hear me saying, like, taking the road of being a victim. Well, I'm just a You don't know where the family I come from and the tore-up mess that I'm, that, that I come out of, Pastor Scott. And, and, and so, you know, I, I wasn't really, I, I'm just a believer. I believe God, but, you know, I'm just a sinner. No, that was your condition. As a sinner, you had a condition. That's not your identity. And when you use that as an excuse to be less than what God's called you to be, that's idol worship. Because what you're saying is that who you are and who, who you are right now, that God's not big enough. He might be big enough for MJ. He might be big enough for Caitlin. Right? He might be big enough for Isaac. But in my life, I'm just okay with being mediocre in this part of my life. Maybe just kind of just getting by and when, that, when, that, when it's my time on earth is gone, I get to be with him. And we settle for that. Yeah. Idolatry is anything that diminishes God's power in your life. Anything. Belief system. Regret. I'm convinced that regret is pride. I'm convinced of it. Because when I look back and I, I, mean, I stand in regret over something that's happened, it's unforgiveness of myself, right? Typically, it's rooted in unforgiveness. So when I live in regret, I'm living in unforgiveness for myself. And I'm saying that in my regret and in my unforgiveness for myself, that God's not big enough to wash all that away and to redeem my past. Remember what I just said. Anything greater that diminishes God's power in your life is, is idol worship, right? Pride is idolatry. It, it, it kind of torts your mind on what pride is. We think it's just, oh, cocky, like, let it, no. You living small and not who God's called you to be, at the very root is pride. And it's tied to idolatry. Pastor Scott, I don't have idols in my house. I have idols in my heart. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus cleared the temple because he knew that you and I would need our temples cleared out once in a while. Listen, my clutter... My places have idolatry. Those places in my heart that are cluttered up that need to be cleaned up, listen to me, they will block the blessing of God in your life. They will block what God is trying to do, what the Holy Spirit. Those places of clutter in your temple will block what God is trying to do, what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life. It will block it. So that's what he's saying. He's saying, that's why I did that. Clean up. Come in, Holy Spirit. Just I want to just come in and like Jesus did and just wreck those places in my heart where I've counted you not big enough. Because I understand 
that if I don't do that, it blocks what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is not, this is another reason why the veil is torn. The Holy Spirit's not supposed to just stay in you. You're made to be a pass-through vessel. Because as much as he pours out in you is the same amount that he, that, and, and that you release, is this, he will keep filling you up. You'll never, ever stop getting filled. But you, but if you, if you, if you stop and you clutter things up, and you, and you don't allow your life to be, for the Holy Spirit to flow through you, then what happens is you're blocking what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you, in you, and to others. See, that's the whole beauty about Jesus and what he did. He said with the whole gospel, the whole message of Jesus is that, what did he say was the last thing he told the disciples? He said, go and make disciples. Go and tell people the good news, the great news of Jesus. Not that they, so they can go to heaven, they have a ticket. So that's just, that's just a byproduct of my relationship with you. Heaven is, do you understand that? That heaven is just the byproduct of having relationship with Almighty God. We're so focused on, that, that, that's what we're focused on. When, when God said, no, you're the temple here on earth. And it, and it becomes not just about you because you're in communion with me. You're, you've made your body, the temple, a house of prayer. And you've uncluttered those things. You've caused you, the tables to be overturned. You've got a new mindset. And you understand that it's not just about me, that God, what he's done in my life, I want to share with somebody else so that they can encounter God. They can encounter his presence. They can encounter his spirit. I'm speaking to you believers this morning. Holy Spirit being released into my life and circumstances. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> Matthew 3, chapter 11. I need to read that. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water. Let me just set this for you really quick. This is John the Baptist, right? He was Jesus' cousin. He, he, set the, he, set the, uh, he set the way. He paved the way for Jesus, right? And he was a prophet, and he, was, he, he baptized folks in repentance. He, he, he preached people to repentance, and here he says, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, talking about Jesus, is mightier than I am, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And it says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm glad he added the word fire, because see, fire means that something's, it's burning, it's being consumed. It's being consumed from the inside out. The Holy Spirit so when he, that word there is baptizo. I want you to understand or get a little bit better understanding. It's not just getting you wet. The, 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 what he's, John the Baptist is saying, it says, I baptize you unto repentance and I baptize you in water, right? And you're going to go under and come back up and you're going to be wet for a little bit. 
But it's, it's, it's an external thing. It's an external thing. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. He said, the one that comes after me, he won't baptize you in water. He's going to baptize you by the Holy Spirit and with fire. That word, baptizo, it literally means this. You have, I want you to think of a cucumber. Fresh cucumber. You just pick that cucumber off. Nice and crisp, green. And then you take that cucumber and you put it through a process called pickling. How many like pickles? Okay, a few of you. I like pickles. How many know that when you're eating that pickle, it ain't a cucumber anymore? I don't know if you guys know that, right? It, it, it's different. It's like, I don't go to the garden to pick my pickle, right? I go to the garden to pick my cucumber, and through this process, it like literally changes, right? But why does it change? Because the spices and the vinegar and the, through the pickling process, it soaks. It soaks like every part of that cucumber from the core. It changes its consistency. It's full of this pickle juice. That's what he's saying. And I know it's, it, that's the best description I could come up with. When the Holy Spirit, okay, some of you are tweeting it already. Pastor Scott said the Holy Spirit wants to pickle you. I got He wants to permeate every part of your heart. Permeate every part of your spirit, every part of your being. He wants you to be changed. That's what he said. John the Baptist said, I baptize you in water and to repentance. But he will come, who's coming after me, who will baptize you in his Holy Spirit and with fire. You will be consumed by it. That's his plan for you this morning. That's his plan for you this morning. When was the last time that you burned from the presence of God consuming you? Consuming you. Bow your heads. Please. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us this morning? We know you're here. Lord, you're in us. As we just spoke this morning, you're in us. We are the temples, Holy Spirit, for you to dwell in. And what are you speaking to our hearts this morning? What are you saying? Lord, help us shine light on it, Holy Spirit, on those places of our lives and our heart that need to be uncluttered, where the tables need to be overturned, where mindsets need to be flipped. Because we understand that it's just not about us. That you chose us to help you reach the world, to reach others. That you chose us to help spread the good news and we're able to do that by telling others what you have done for us and by releasing power through the Holy Spirit to meet needs just like you did. To pray for healing, not just because it's a cool thing to do, but to pray for life and healing and encounters with others. That they will, in their own, they will find their own encounter, their own story with you and life with you. That we're not made to just have the Holy Spirit sit inside of us, never stirred up, 
that we're made to consume and burn with the Holy Spirit and fire. And be changed forever, saturated by your presence, Holy Spirit. Saturated by, our thoughts are saturated by you. So Lord, I pray for every heart here this morning. No matter how long they've been walking with you and what kind of awesome relationship that they have with you, Lord, that every one of us have places that need tables overturned. So just reveal that to each one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name.